Hey everybody, this is Eric Frankhouse from EFP, October 21st, 2017. I got a special episode for you today as we interview Brian Berg from TPK Games. We're going to a deep dive about third-party publishing, the gaming industry, and just what it means to actually freelance and get the job done. Hope you guys enjoy. <laughs> Hey everybody, this is Eric Frankhouse from EFP. I'm going to be doing an interview today with someone I've been working with for a while in the industry, someone I respect along with a lot of the third-party publishers, and we kind of want to get into that concept of third-party publishing, and I'm sure he's going to berate me for using those words. Um, <laughs> along with along with that, gotta get into just how we got into it, what we're doing, and we're talking today with Brian fucking Berg from TPK Games. So, Brian, let's get a little background about you and TPK Games. Where the fuck <laughs> sure. do you come from, Brian fucking Berg? Uh, wow. So, uh, the Brian fucking Berg is like a moniker that's kind of stuck with me for a long time. Is that because you uh, screw up and they go, Brian fucking Berg? <laughs> well, that's what my mom would say. But, oh. uh, no, it, you know, not too long ago we published Geeks vs. Harsh Reality. Myself and Jim Pinto, we worked on a, a really fun, cool project together. Oh, and, I remember that. We were like, you know, hey, we should really work on something together sometime. And Jim is a little, just a little burned out on, like, D20 and fantasy and stuff. So we ultimately said, hey, let's make a knockoff Cards Against Humanity game um, and just really make it raw and awful and about nerd stuff. Mm -hmm. And so he, being the, the last person to look at the cards, snuck one in on me that said Brian fucking Berg. Uh, and so that's just been something really fun to play with for a long time. <laughs> so someone named you that out of cards. Right, right. Yeah, nice. What happens when that card's played? Does it just automatically trump everything? You know, if if people know me, it's usually a good win. But it's still funny. Like, I've seen people at conventions who are, like, laughing at the card, and they, they don't know who I am. It's like <laughs> I'm the goddamn Batman. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know, it's yeah. just a ridiculous, ridiculous card, so... So, yeah, but it's it's created a lot of buzz and a lot of fun. So, so you've done other podcasts with me before. Uh, when I was doing oh, yeah. Fresh and Reload, you know the rules. We got to be drinking something. So, what are you drinking tonight? Well, hold on one moment here. <laughs> <laughs> I can't do that. Mine's a bottle, but <laughs> well. For those of you who know me, I enjoy beer and I enjoy beer a lot. But yep. I'm a beer snob. The darker, and, the better. Yeah, you know. Well, not always. But I like um, all kinds of beer, really, all kinds of styles, as long as it's not an IPA. But hey, hey I've like, gotten you to drink a couple IPAs that you, you like. Have, you you like, you like the blood orange one I had. It was great. Uh, tonight, tonight's uh, is sponsored by Leinen Kugel's Oktoberfest, which is uh, delicious. No, I don't uh, like Leinen Kugel's, but I do love Oktoberfest. Did you know that it, Oktoberfest is actually in September? Uh, yes. Do you know why? No. Me either. I was hoping you did. So, <laughs> Hold on. Let me Google that shit. So I am drinking Three Floyds Brewing Company, one of my favorites. Oh, and yeah. this one is called Space Station Middle Finger. And it is literally like a <laughs> double helix style space station where the towers yeah. off the front make a middle finger. Those guys did Robert the Bruce too, right? They sure. Yeah, yeah. they do do that. I have some yeah. downstairs right now. That, that's a damn fine beer. Mm-hmm. 
So, yes, uh, so let's get into this. We're talking about beer. We're talking about drinking. But we're here to talk about publishing, how you get into it, all the maneuvers that it takes, how much blood you have to give out, how many kids you have to sacrifice, you know, that kind of stuff. Because this well, isn't easy. This is a hard no, it, fucking job. In fact, let me just go right back to beer here. Um, pu- I think publishing might be why I drink. <laughs> Oh, because you're not kidding. It's not easy. It's not for the faint of heart. No. Um, anybody can do it, but can you do it well? No. I still find myself pushing the envelope, trying to to reach higher, to learn new tricks, new things, work with new people. Always aim to raise the bar. You know. So I mean, it is. It's a challenge. It's super hard, and and not only is it hard. I think a lot of people have those. <laughs> grandioso dreams that they can do it and then as we all know and and i was talking to um somebody earlier and listening to actually gaming and bs they talk about martial arts the hardest part of martial arts when you ask somebody is starting and while that is the hardest part of starting anything in this industry or going out on your own i don't think that's the hardest part i think the hardest part is the people around around you giving you the okay like you need permission to do it because part of you feels like you'll let everyone down if you go do it and fail, not only yourself, but just family, friends, people you're married to. But really, I don't think that's the problem. I think it comes down to the the strict fact of, you know, if you go out and do this on your own, all people who own a publishing company, own a company, or work as a freelancer have a routine. Yeah, oh yeah. How long did it take you to set your fucking routine? Um, as soon as I was doing it full time, that's when I knew I had to have a routine because you have to have a routine before i had a guaranteed paycheck well, you're you know, punching I was the like, clock. right exactly you know i go to work every day contemplate chewing on a bullet and uh <laughs> come home through come come home and you know if i felt like working on tpk i could if i didn't want to well then i didn't have to but mm-hmm. granted i had a, a pretty good work ethic even then but uh once once you say okay i'm all in I'm going to absolutely fucking do this thing. Then, you know what? If you if you do, you're going to see success. If you don't, the only one to blame is yourself. Yeah. So, what's your day look like? When like when do you wake up and till you go to bed? Like what's the short version of your day? Okay. So, I'm I sure know that- Monday through Friday is different. Yeah. But I, uh, we've joked about this before, but I I wake up very early. And way earlier than me. I'm up between like nine and ten. Yeah. You're up at like six thirty seven. For sure. You know, and I go to bed fairly early, uh generally, I don't know, ten or eleven. Okay. Um but you know, you're up that early, there's nobody bothering you. Yeah. Um and yeah, that's I think when you're either you can... up early or late at night is what I found from people. Yep. I kick on the old coffee pot, and I love coffee by the way. And while my coffee is taking the time to brew that's when I'm cleaning the kitchen. That's when I'm, you know, taking out the trash, doing all those, like, just general maintenance things around the house to, to make things look better. Oh, coffee's done. Now I can sit down. Now I can enjoy my cup of coffee, check, communicate, maybe take a brief five-minute look at Facebook and close all that shit out. Then I will generally fulfill all my orders, and mm-hmm. after that, I'll kind of prioritize what I need to do for the day and how important is it? So the most important things get done first, um, and then I just kind of work through it. And also – So you do that I, the morning when you wake up. You don't do it the night before. 
Actually, I have a Google Doc that is my to-do list, mm -hmm. and I know that people on social media have joked about having a to-do list like Brian Bird. Eh, do you it, know that you can do check marks, check boxes, yeah, and sure. Okay. A lot of people don't know you can do that. So, it's it's daily, and I I'm constantly updating it. So, like, if I'm working on something and I think to myself, oh, I should really do blah blah blah, boom, mm -hmm. I'll, I'll I'll switch over to that. I'll write it in and get back to what I'm doing. So yeah, um, the to-do list is is kind of always a, it's a living document. Well, so yeah, then you transfer I'm, things from day to day. Sure, you know, and if I know that I can't really do it today, it's just not going to work out. Then I'll slip it to a different day or whatever. Mm -hmm. But you know, you can you prioritize things. Mm -hmm. So I also try to give myself a few easy tasks right away because mentally, if you can crank out some easy things, you're giving yourself a little bit of an uh, endorphin rush, going, oh yeah. Look at me. I'm just kicking ass. Yep, right? and then you tackle the big stuff. Exactly. Yep. Exactly. Now, do you so find that, that you're cleaning in the morning? It sounds like you basically are phone-free for like 30 minutes. Absolutely. Because uh, I do that, too. I'm anywhere between 30 minutes to an hour of no right. electronics. No, Because yep. I already know my entire day is going to be doing that. Right. And I'll, like, walk the dog, make coffee, whatever it is. Yep. Sounds very similar. So, so you do that. Is everybody in bed during this? Um, my, my wife, uh, she was working from like 5am until 1 or 2pm. Mm -hmm. So I, the kids would be just getting up for school. I could say hi, you know, hi, bye and be taking care of stuff. And then like pretty soon they're out the door and that is my, there's absolute silence. You know, there's nobody to distract me. Um, it was just the perfect working conditions. So you go into your day then and start going through your tasks. Mm -hmm. Do you listen to music or podcasts or anything while you're working? Oh, my God, yes, of course. Both? One or the Both. other? Both. Can, can you write and have words in it, or does it have to be, like, ambient music? Nope. I'll do uh, I'll do either or. Like, And it really depends. Like, my musical tastes range broadly. Yeah. But um, I want something to inspire me. I want something that will give me energy. So, uh, you know, I'm going to listen to rock, my cheesy 80s metal or some industrial or something something to give me, you know, the, the gusto, right? Right. But at the same time, After um, you made I never convert riffs? Well, I don't know why they're friends with you anymore. I know, right? No, um, never met him in real life, but still friends with him um, on Facebook and stuff. It's crazy. That's but nuts. moral of my story, this is really what got me into mechanics and designing. And okay. so, you know, you – oh, God. Just the mere thought of the craziness of the Rift setting converted over and attempted balance um, with the D20 system is what really just got me just, my mind was on fire for this content designing and mechanics. Um, and then, uh, it wasn't too terribly long after that, maybe five or so years, uh, that Pathfinder ended up coming out. Yep. And good old beta for that. That was the first yes. time we ever saw a beta, which was genius. Yes. Absolutely. Wish they would have done it um, with Starfinder. Yeah. So, I, <laughs> I, I get this. <laughs> you, hey, you fed me alcohol. This is your fault. Yep. <laughs> um, I just started working on all this stuff, right? And the Pathfinder comes out, and let's let's reverse this just a little bit longer. Fourth edition had come out, and I had this idea of a campaign setting. Hold on to that thought, and okay. it just wasn't 
what I wanted at all. Um, and, you know, we can trash talk fourth edition for all, you know, the whole rest of the evening, but no, it just no, wasn't no, what no, I wanted. Well, let, me, sure. let me sidebar that. Fourth edition had bonuses. It did bring in a group of players we never would have gotten. Sure. It was made for um, the video gamer, period. You could say that. And then that's th- then the passive perception and skill challenges, right. and that's where that yeah. is. <laughs> what, what's really shocking is there's some great ideas in 4th edition. Mm-hmm. The, the whole package didn't sell well because it didn't feel like what people wanted or expected from D&D. It was too divergent. If you take, yeah, absolutely. Take it for what it is. It is a really fun game. However, it's a good when you called it D&D, game. you're right. Yeah, it was, I don't know. It was too different. So it, it, it probably was ahead of its time. They should have or... just called it something else. Uh, yeah, for sure. They should have called it but like, anyway. like monster, uh, Mazes and Monsters Miniatures or something, like anything else. Right. It was oh. so not what I wanted, however, at that time no. that um, I, I I sat on my hands basically, and I you know I was I had all these great ideas, and it wasn't until Pathfinder came out that I had a system that really supported the concepts of what I wanted. And That's so, crazy! Yeah, Your adventure so, didn't start with Second Edition. I. It started with riffs. It's so true. Yeah. How did you um, not it really it started wow. <laughs> um my my gaming history, I you know, honestly, if I started playing D D at the very tail end of first edition. And then uh, second edition was like my golden era of D D. Mm-hmm. And the shortly after second edition, there was this great renaissance because D D had gotten so popular. Now there's all these other games oh God, coming out so to the market. Came out. And let's face it. Up until that point, I thought that D and D was Diablo. Um, yeah, you know, That's because we I, I was a teenager, and I'm like, yeah, bust down the door, kill the shit, take its loot, uh, and then World of Darkness came along, and I'm like, oh my god, you can actually role play, yep. tell a story, and we've all um, said that over the years too, like where we found out, oh sure, role play. So, again, fast-forwarding, you know, uh, to, to the Pathfinder era, I had given up on Rifts. Um, and okay. I knew that it, this was a, a huge folly and a, and a giant quagmire, a pit trap, whatever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, the shit that I've done that's out there, great, you know. Um, and for anybody listening, if you Google Neck Rifts, N-E-C-R-I-F-T-S. That's a real thing apostrophe s i believe you might be able to find all my old conversion work if anything is still hosted or pirated pdfs whatever you know Crazy. it's probably all dark web shit at this point but hey yeah, whatever. i can find that so i'm in <laughs> um but yeah so then we're playing pathfinder and we're in you know trouncing around galarian and having a good time and um i actually um i was purchasing some pdfs from owen casey stevens good man and yeah yeah and he's back in the day was extremely prolific as a third-party publisher and there i said it damn it i said the p word prolific um i I, and three of them (laughs) third-party publisher 
Uh, I joke that I never want to. I never want to say that word. I well, we're going to get into that. I, and that question's yeah, not okay. on here, but I will get us into the third-party publisher. So we'll we'll put a pin okay, and pause we'll that it. one. Perfect. Um, so there I am sitting around with my my buddy at the time, PJ Harn, and we are like writing our own content, designing our own things. Hey, what yeah. do you think of this prestige class? Oh yeah, elf stuff. Ooh ah yeah. What do you think of this elf weapon? Blah blah blah. You know. And, and this I'm is just at your gaming table, correct? Yes, just sitting around at my table. And then we're we're reading this Owen stuff, and I was like, eh, this is this one's just okay. You know, most of his PDFs were great. This one was just okay. And I was like, you know, why are we not doing this? We're creative guys. Why in the hell are we not making our own Pathfinder stuff? Because, let's face it, we'll make millions of dollars. Only if you are <laughs> Paizo. I believe Rob Schwalb is the guy who uh, coined the phrase, if you want to make $100,000 in gaming, start with 200000 <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> right? And, and, like, and he's somebody who is just, after many years of experience, coming to the market with his own thing and went, this is how shit's going to be and you're going to fucking like it. And that dude just cranks out amazing after amazing after amazing. I I have I just don't have the words to say how much I respect Rob Schwalb. Oh my god, it's ridiculous! If he heard us doing this, he probably wouldn't drink with us. Oh right, no, no, no. In fact, the last time I saw him, he gave me a hug, which is funny because I'm not really a huggy kind of guy. But oh, yeah, I tell everybody to hug you. You don't know that? <laughs> it's probably true. Yeah. Uh, so Schwalb has number one. He has discipline. Yeah. Which, if you don't have discipline and you're a publisher, just why Why are you trying? Why bother? Because you're yeah. not going to be successful. Yep. Um, and also – Self-discipline. Not disciplining others. That comes after you actually put enough shit out <laughs> right. to hire other people. And, and he has the experience and the working knowledge of not just one gaming system but many. Yeah. He understands – He's big on the a, big boy ones too. It's not even like he was on tiny oh, stuff. yeah. Right. So he has all this working knowledge along with discipline. And so he's combining the two and creating masterpieces. Yeah. Because Shadow of the Demon Lord might be one of the best role-playing games I've ever played. Oh, it's top three for me, hands down. Right. And, and it only gets oh. better every time something else comes out. And I'm like, oh, my God, why? Why didn't I think about <laughs> right. this? I didn't think it could get better. His his ran, he made random tables awesome again. They haven't been awesome oh since God. like Cyberpunk. There was one time I was I, I I was making like some sort of goblin character and I happened to roll on the table and it's like you were the prisoner the love slave of some like night hag or something and yeah. I about spit out my drink. I'm like that is the funniest shit I've ever read. Yeah, but that's just it though. Um, like then you go and think about it and you're like, oh man, am I a goblin because of that? And then you go down this really dark rabbit hole with no fucking light, and it turns into Shadows of the Demon Lord. Right. And then your name's Drips, which, you know, figure that one out on your own. <laughs> yeah. So, so, so yeah, third party, We Rob is definitely, like, pedestal for the things that we believe in as a publisher. So you did this. What was the first thing you actually put out that was published and buyable? So the great story here is... Even at this point, I had my business degree, and I was thinking to myself, okay, "Has that helped you at all?" I would say yes, um, but in the world of publishing, no, 
Do you think it helped you because yes. the internet wasn't what it was back then? Do you think that now with the way the internet works and what you can watch, and if you're smart enough to pick out the trues and the falses out oh of things, God, yes. do right? you think that that money you spent on your education would have been better spent on a good computer and disciplining yourself and learning by yourself? No. And learning um, through going to conventions and stuff like that and here's, networking? Here's what I've learned. All right, so my my education, my formal education was great. And it has a lot of nuggets of knowledge, right? Okay. But also, I worked for Target Corporation, whom I would never suggest anyone else work for. However, I learned a ton working there. Sure, of course. I also... You learned on somebody else's dime. Absolutely. I also learned (laughs) no small amount um, of knowledge, uh, especially in the publishing field, which I had zero experience in. That's a different monster. I learned all that just by research and yep. teaching myself. So, you know, each each one of those things is a great thing that led up to my whole, but I couldn't I couldn't point at one and say this is what made me who I am. No, it, that's it's just a path t- you took. Like so for myself, right. you know, I, I went to school for two years and left to go work in the video game industry because I was tired of teaching my sure. teachers the shit <laughs> in the video game industry because they weren't teaching that. Mm. And uh, and I went to I went to a school that was specifically for art and graphic design, but they weren't teaching the newest, latest, best, which is ridiculous to me. So I think yeah, it's different for each person. It's hard to say I wouldn't have done this because you already did made it who you were. Yeah. Um, did you go to a, a large college? Did you go to like a community college for it? Well, I was actually working full time, uh, raising my son full time. Damn. Uh, and then I went to school, also full-time, online, University of Phoenix. So did, did you basically figure out how to make 40 hours in a day? <laughs> pretty much, which, honestly, my lifestyle hasn't changed. No, um, it's gotten know, because, busier. <laughs> yeah. Back then, uh, I mean, I had my AA, and then I went in and tried to finish up my, my bachelor's, but wow. Um, but you had asked, asked, like, how I got into the industry, and so all this stuff kind of culminated, and we j- literally just decided, PJ and I, whom originally was one of the, the co-founders for TPK Games. Hmm, I know we, PJ. We said, okay, let's just let's do this. And if you know me, I am slightly crazy in that respect, and I, I yeah. am fearless when it comes to risk. Fuck it, go in. Not, not the board game. Yeah, exactly. You no, know, go in or go lose. home. What do you have to lose? This you only live once. Might as well do it. Yeah. So you can always go get a job doing something else. Right. So my first product were called Infamous Adversaries, mm-hmm. and we wanted to differentiate ourselves from the other people in the market because you have to have a brand, and if you don't have a brand, people don't know who you are. Correct. So we said, okay, dark fantasy, that's going to be our shtick. Mm-hmm. And we wrote these really, really dark, but kind of badly done uh, <laughs> uh, NPC kind of villains, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so the infamous adversaries were a lot of fun, and that was our first product. The very first of which we gave away for free, and we actually – uh, I bought a laser printer and I went out and we were making like you know you know like when you want to be a comic book artist yeah. and, or a publisher and you make your own comics and you print them yourselves and you kind of do the the half page folded and you fold them and you staple them yes that is exactly what I did 
and we I think we maybe sold them at conventions. I can't recall. So again, I prefaced so this, was this with prior to PDFs. Oh yeah, yeah. So I literally had no clue what we were doing. Um, <laughs> and I I just learned all the publishing stuff as we went along. Um, I made a million mistakes, but I learned from all of them. And we eventually honed our craft and got better and made PDF products. Um, and we were actually the first company to do the um, the hyperlinking to the D20 PFSRD. Good. That was you guys, huh? Nice. That was us. Uh, and so we did. John didn't even have his cool hyperlinker going at that point in time. We were doing it all by hand, which oh, was no shit. it was insane. That's a you lot know? of manual labor. Oh, tons. So, so that was PJ's job, right? Oh, please. Uh, we we started doing all this, you know, and we had this really neat idea, a neat product, um, and it just took a long time to iron out who we were, the process how to make a good looking product, um, you know, and, and trial and error. Yeah. So that was, that's honestly, that's the start. So that's your start. So do you attribute this to gaming a lot on tabletop? Like was this desire to become a publisher from gaming and, and seeing that you wanted more that wasn't there? Was it, or was it like your first GM telling you, hey, you should do this? Because I don't have that story. I started GMing. I didn't start as a player. Hell, I didn't start playing until I was in my 20s. Hmm. I didn't start as a GM. I was introduced to D&D, and then I quickly decided, hey, I don't like the content that other people are, are doing. I, w I got just as much satisfaction, if not more, being the creative person yeah. and telling my story and letting other people experience it. Yep. So I think that probably leads into wanting to be a publisher because I think if you have that, if you have that inclination uh, as a game master, you're probably much more likely to be able to be a freelance writer or even go so far as to publish your own content. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Did you, um, doing that tabletop stuff and, and playing and switching over to GMing, when you were running your adventures as a GM, and this is mm -hmm. uh, something I didn't put down, but did you always run your own stuff, or did you pull and pick and cherry, you know, cherry handpick stuff from pre-published stuff? Because I, I ran one full published adventure and never went back because I just did not like the prep. I would rather have spent my time being creative and designing my own. Was that kind of the similar thing for you? So in the early days, I ran published material. And How many years roughly do you think you were doing oh, that? Jesus. Well, if if I started d playing D&D in the 80s, uh, I probably, I don't know, 10, 15 years of early gaming. It wasn't until really? World of Darkness that I was doing my own content. Because oh, they, then they we, had pre-published stuff, but it was... That was a very yeah. different style of doing adventures. Though. Sure. Um, that was such heavy role-playing. It was very easy to do your own It was thing. very GM fiat, less crunchy, yeah. crunchy. I, I'd say when 3rd Edition came out, that's probably when I really started delving into my own content. Okay. Because I had enough options, um, I believe. <laughs> well, I mean, that's, that's totally a fair answer so mm -hmm. so you publish your first piece you get everything rolling you and your partner started up and what you what led you to deciding we're going to call it tpk right so that's a good story too um again 
if you had to take 10 or 20 of the other publishers in the industry, um, and let's let's not say like big publishers, but like small compatible publishers, third-party publishers, mm-hmm. how many of them have names that really speak to the products that they sell? I mean, unless you were naming it after yourself and you've already been in the industry, like Monty Cook Games, Rob Schwab sure. Entertainment, shit like that. Right, right. The, the, I very, very few do I actually remember. Right. Because they're not and equated to things that happen in the game. People didn't really even notice us until we started doing adventures. And so you think adventures, adventures really hook people, huh? Oh, that was that was our first big product that put us on the map. And so That's, when okay. you say we write dark fantasy adventures that are very, very challenging, and our name is Total Party Kill Games, people go, oh, I get it. And you know what? It's really hard to forget the name Total Party Kill Games. No, because you talk about TPKing your players all the time. Right. So it sounds so, like you guys played to the GM half because – until we saw in, in until we saw actually Pathfinder come out with their adventure path and then the small module piece for the the players only people who buy adventures are collectors and GMs and a lot of times they're the same people so how did that really put you on the map with a smaller pool of people to buy like there's you know it's a 1 to 5 ratio of GMs to players on average I guess the moral of the story is that I didn't realize that aspect until after I started doing player content. Hmm. So did, you know? did but the adventure put you on the map? Was it because people were talking and reviewing it? Like, how did that? Yeah. Was it was Absolutely. it just lucky? Um, Which I don't really it, believe in lucky. I mean, no, kind of believe I, you can put the luck in your pockets. By no means were we lucky. Um, it actually took us quite a long time to get our first adventure published. Okay. And the, what we were doing in the meantime, before it was published, was beating pavement. We were going to, like, every convention I could possibly go to, and we were playtesting it, and we were showcasing it. Mm-hmm. We were actually, what do they call those at Gen Con? We're, uh, Artist Alley? No, no, no. When you, when you do, like, so many events that... Um, Hmm. Uh, some sort of, sort of like premiere event or whatever at Gen Oh, Con because, yeah, like the gold events or whatever it is. Because we had had so many people play our games. And like one of the, the points, it was a, kind of a, a high point for me at Gen Con. Mm-hmm. Um, we had some guys that were in a game, and it was like they were – they were like wondering if they were going to go play the second half of the game or they were going to go to their magic tournament that they had already paid money to, to, to play in. That's, and that's why like, you do that shit, man. Like that makes the, you the go, goes, yeah, this is why I'm here. Yeah. He's like, I know I already paid money to do this magic the gathering thing. Um, but I'm, I have to find out how this ends. <laughs> and so awesome. that to me was like one of those things was like, oh shit, great. We're telling a good story. We're actually creating an atmosphere that players are having such a good time. You know, they, they have, they're super invested. So eventually the, the bleeding hollow got published and okay. we hit it off on Kickstarter and I, I kind of shopped it around a little bit because I wasn't sure if we would even be able to do what I wanted with it. Because um, at that point in time, you know, I we were selling, Jesus, I don't know, $100 a month if I was lucky. Right. right <laughs> so yeah. you, you cannot make a good adventure on that. Um, no. And so it's, it's shortly around that point in time where Kickstarter became a thing, 
and I I looked at Kickstarter and I was like, okay, let's give this a go. How do I and make this work? <laughs> it just it just blew up, and so what was your first Kickstarter? Well. It was the Bleeding Hollow. Oh, it was Bleeding Hollow. Oh, okay. Yeah. And surprisingly, you know, granted, I've gone to numerous conventions in the Midwest, and I know many of the old TSR guys. Um, well, Frank Mincer was pretty cool with uh, this product and project, and he goes, wow, I didn't know people could do a good sandbox adventure with Pathfinder. Oh, Bleeding so, Hollow was sandbox, huh? Oh, it's extremely sandbox. Hard, was um, that hard to lay out and hard to design? Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, I know again, from the video game area, I had to do a lot of sandbox stuff, and that shit is hours and hours of prep before you even start writing anything. Right. Because you have to, I mean, you have to let the players drive the action and the story in a sandbox, but you also have to have enough details that the game master can handle what the players want to do. It's enough so yes. to keep the players engaged doing what you right. want without them thinking they're doing that. Right. So Frank was cool, and he really enjoyed it, and he wrote the introduction for us, and it blew up on Kickstarter, and oh, awesome. that was our that was our first big product. And yep. now Frank's and, doing a part of Oerth. Yeah. So after that, you know, um, now I had money, uh, and we were able to bankroll new projects, mm-hmm. and, and we kind of had a new outlook on how to do things. That was that was really the, the one product that – Finally, set us from what I would say a shitty third-party company to you know from from basement hey, this, to garage. Yeah, for sure, exactly. So what? You know, how that, many, was, that was how, the what first was step goal? up. What was your goal, and what did you hit on that Kickstarter? So I mean, I do a lot of Kickstarter consulting. I know you've done consulting in the past as well. Mm-hmm. What was your goal, and what did you hit? I want to say I think I asked for like a thousand dollars, and at that point, I got somewhere between I I can't remember the exact numbers, maybe seven or twelve thousand. That's really but, good. When you're when you're making a hundred dollars a month on PDFs at that point, yeah, that was that was a game changer. Well, this allowed you to bankroll and print and do all the other stuff. And I know you really For got into sure. print on demand. We can talk about that yep. when we get more into the, the publishing part. But that's yeah. amazing, and that and I think that's what Patreon and Kickstarter is for. So the fact that that worked for you is awesome. Mm-hmm. So again, I I just have to for anybody who's listening. I mean, I made every single mistake possible. So. Uh, that's a good question. I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna move us from this. How did you start? Sure. We, we've gotten through that to mistakes. <laughs> I didn't have this as a question, but I've had to come up with other interviews, mm-hmm. and I know my thoughts on it. But I think mistakes mistakes are the dots that we connect to be better at what we do. Yeah, they better be because if you're not, you won't get any better. No, because it's making um, that it's making the outline of the things, and you know what is inbounds and out of bounds right. for what you're doing. And if you trip and you fall on your face and you lie in a puddle and you cry, um, get up, pull up your big boy pants, mm-hmm. and take two steps forward. And you know what? If you trip and fall again, get up, take yep. another step forward. Well, I mean, I just got let go from my job that I was there to do my stuff, and I was like, okay, you get three hours to be upset. Right. And I took one, and then I just went right back to doing what I was going to do. For sure. Like, that's just how it is. You can't – You can't, a mistake is nothing more than learning. You can't look at it as failure. It's you going – Exactly. Maybe that wasn't perfect, but maybe it was close. Or, damn, that was a catastrophe. I'm never going back there. That exactly. door is closed forever. Skydiving without a parachute's a bad idea. Right. And you know what? There's been numerous books of mine that have just made okay money, and then you hit a couple that make 
tons. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, you have to make those mistakes and learn and figure things out along the way to get to where you are. That's just how life is. Yep. So let's, I guess we'll talk about that. I I have other questions, but that's actually, it brings me into the, you know, when did TPK form, actually form? Uh, What I didn't Mm -hmm. put there and I was going to ask is, when did you form the LLC for it? Because that's usually different. The LLC started in 2010, and I think my first published product was in 2011. Oh, so you LLC'd before you published. Yeah. Now, do you think that that is a necessity for freelancers who are writing and doing stuff, or do you think it's only if there's other people under you? You absolutely do not need an LLC if you're a freelance writer. You are just a self-employed person. So if Um, the first time you go to hit publish on DriveThruRPG, you feel an LLC is necessary? If you are publishing your own product and earning income on it at that point, yes, I think so. If you have a company name, you should have an LLC. Mm-hmm. And it's more to keep your ass protected if something happens. Yep. I mean, the thing is weird is not a lot of stuff happens in tabletop RPG. I think less so with digital than with physical. I think if you're shipping physical copies and all of a sudden your shit's falling apart on people, that could bite you. But right. digital copy is not quite the same. Like that's it is to protect yourself. So you formed it and then you published afterwards, and, and I've right. heard that from most people. Again, a mistake. <laughs> it it was from mistake. Well, you know what? That's that's money that I could have used on making a better product, but uh, you know whatever. Well, LLCs nowadays you can get away with for like 150 bucks. Yeah, which is now, cheap. I'll, also, Paizo was doing the uh, the RPG Superstar, yeah. and I absolutely should have done that. But you know what? I didn't because I was like, hey, I'm Brian fucking Berg. I'm going to do my own thing. Mistake number two. <laughs> <You're> right. hundred. <laughs> so, again, I, I missed out on a lot of opportunity because I was so focused on doing my own thing. Yeah, I got screwed because I had been published before and didn't realize sure. that the publishment counted. And they're like, hey, man, mm-hmm. we like your shit, but you can't, you can't do this. I'm like, right. God damn it. It was published right. years ago. Like, that shouldn't even and, count. <laughs> and, again, I shouldn't have even been a publisher. I should have maybe done the RPG Superstar, tried to work as a freelance you know, author for other folks to really kind of learn the industry, get mm-hmm. my feet wet. But if I have one redeeming quality – it's tenaciousness. Yeah, dude, you, you got the Rocky syndrome. Because right now I have at least two gold bestsellers on DriveThru RPG. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. Nice. I am now not working a day job. I am doing this full time. So yeah. by being willing to accept some risk, by being able to learn from my mistakes and constantly try to improve myself, I've gotten to where I am. I don't think without risk you can move forward. Otherwise, you just become static. And, and there's a lot of entrepreneurs and freelancers and people like that who say if you are comfortable with what you're doing and you're happy coming home and cooking dinner and yeah, playing your sure. games, then do that. Do what makes right. you happy. But those who are hungry I hate to tell you this, risk is involved. And if you're afraid of risk, then go work for somebody else who's willing to take risks because you should right. not be doing it by yourself then. Absolutely. Like, and I will take risks constantly. You talk about video games. That's another thing that I've, I've told a number of people who wanted to be freelance writers with me. Um, I don't play video games very often. I mean, it's very rare. Mm-hmm. And I, I currently have one game that I will play, and that is with my wife, 
when I have time, which is not terribly often. When so, you have kids too, which that takes time. Oh, sure. Like it's a know, balancing kid, act between the work life and what to do. Yeah, I've also realized no that it's it. okay to take breaks. That's the hardest thing as a freelancer. You're like, I got to mm-hmm. go. I got to go. I got to drive. But I realize when I walk away from something and come back, I'm way more productive. No, that's true. I I guess there's a difference between uh, But taking five hours to go play a video yeah, yeah. game, <laughs> that's, right. that's a waste of a day. It is, yes. Yeah, yeah I, I'm with you. And, and we'll get into some stuff about routines here. But so you figured this out. There's no guidebook. Like I haven't found there a guidebook for being a publisher and a freelancer that works worth a damn. It's a lot of uh, talking. I also think a lot of my learning comes from, like I'm a big fan of comedians. I don't know if you like stand-up comedy a lot. Um, sure, but some. I love that concept of you learn from those around you, and that's how comedians work. Like they critique each other. And this industry on the small publisher side does. Once you get to the large publishing house groups, they are very closed door. Fuck everybody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is funny to me because I think if they were to bring more people under their reign, they would be able to get smaller publishing companies under them of quality and do stuff. But they really don't. And they have the power and man hours and money to do it, which is funny to me. So you're doing this and you're at conventions learning from, you know, the Rob Schwab's and everybody else who's out there. Do you find Mm -hmm. that most of the publishers in in the smaller publishing side of things – are much more open to talking about their grit and grime and how they get it done? Uh, yes and no. Okay. So there is a, a scale, and the further up the scale you go, the more money you're making and the larger shark you are swimming around the ocean hunting for fish. Mm-hmm. And so when you are a very small publisher – you are more than willing to discuss what's working for you because you are willing to help the other guy out. And in return, hopefully you'll get some information, whatever. Right. Mm -hmm. So without naming any names, there are other larger companies that will often talk to me, but they're not really out there to help me, you know, because we are competition. Right. But is there competition in this? Do you believe that anymore? Yes and no. So there is definitely a finite pool of money that gets spent every month on gaming products. Look at Kickstarter. There's, there is a certain amount of money that gets spent every month. And if you are competing against say, I don't know, um, Dwarven Forge. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, sucks to be you that month because the, the pool just shrunk a lot. But do you, okay. so that has also been proven that the amount of Kickstarter money that pumps through just in our industry, just say tabletop, mm-hmm. that includes board right. game accessories enough, goes up every single Kickstarter. Every yeah. month it gets larger. So right. is the pool really that much smaller? Because maybe I wouldn't buy, do I don't buy Dwarven Forge, do you? No longer. Okay. I don't need it anymore. But so what I'm saying, guess, though, like there's a there's an ebb and a flow to that. I know what you're saying. If you're going against a big boy, you now have to compete with their social media and everything just blasting people. Right. Um, even when it comes down to publishing books, um, you know, like Owen, again, Owen, um, it, if you were against him in the first couple of months of his Starfinders companion, that's $20 less a month that you just earned because people are going to buy that book. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And if you're dis- if your gaming disposable income budget is say fifty dollars a month, uh, think about that. I mean, it yeah, is no, no, yeah, it's, it's noticeable, but at the same time, you're still going to get sales. So I always treat my business as though it were day one. 
I never want people to say, oh, Brian Brewer, he's such a douche because he's, you know, he, he thinks he's such hot shit. I don't. Right. I yeah. really don't. And I'm willing to help anybody who asks me. And I've given numerous people advice on the industry because I've made all those mistakes. I know what the hell I'm talking about. Yeah. you know. Yeah. And humble goes a long way in this industry because humble – and it's so weird the egos that do float around in this industry Yeah, for something that's um, a hobby. <laughs> Right. You're not famous. Um, You make games that the vast majority of the population on Earth don't care about. (laughs) You know, you're not making football hoodies and in. Yeah, no. Yeah, I'm I'm not in movies. No. So I tell you what, I also believe strongly that you you owe it to every single person who's ever bought one of your books. Um, You owe everything to them. Yeah, you because you you're damn right. You know, I, I, I just I struggle when I meet people who are super arrogant in the gaming industry. It just drives me bonkers because good luck. I mean, you're only going to lose fans at that point. And well, and kudos because, to you because at every convention, your ass is behind your booth more than anybody right. else. That's literally a, shaking hands and kissing babies. Like that's a, shaking babies and kissing hands, whatever. But, yeah, 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 whatever, whatever, whatever. <laughs> Mississippi ring is there. It doesn't matter, yeah. but. And that, right. and that, I think, goes a long way with the, the small publisher yeah. versus large. If you can keep that mentality when you get to that larger state. And, you, I mean, you really only increased every year you've been out of the box. Take a look at my social media. Yeah. It speaks volumes. Why, why do I have so many people who follow me on Facebook? Because you're not a Twitter. dick. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Meeting's law. <Yeah. laughs> it's, it's true, though. It's, uh-huh. Even know. if you don't like Will Wheaton, I do. But even if you don't like Will Wheaton – don't be a dick is one of the best Absolutely. laws of gaming of all time. And we talk we wish... behind closed doors. Well, I shouldn't say that. That sounds dirty. Um, we have talked a lot it about was... social media because that is something I'm very passionate about and have a lot of experience mm-hmm. in. And, and being nice on social media is – it means more than any and other trick genuine. you can learn. Genuine yeah. care and respond to your fans. When they like – say something about everybody liking your post. If they reply, reply to them in in it. Yes, it takes time, but that that stuff speaks volumes about what you want your company to be. For Even sure. if it's your best friend commenting on what you're doing, or you come over and comment something I have, and I say thanks and comment back. Even though we know each other and we know the other person thinks it's okay, like oh yeah, they know. I mean, you know, it's cool. But that's like that's like being in a marriage and never telling the other person I love you, even though they tell you I love mm-hmm. you. You can't right. do that shit. And that's that's social media in a nutshell. It's a bunch of micro relationships in a large space that everybody can fucking see. Yep. And uh, unfortunately. And that's that's social media in a nutshell. It's a bunch of micro relationships in a large space that everybody can fucking see. Yep. And uh, unfortunately, in today's society, and I, again, I don't want to name names, but social media will light you up. Your career oh, yeah. can be destroyed overnight because mm-hmm. of some awful, douchey thing that you do. And but again, if you're a freelancer, don't be fooled into thinking that publishers don't talk to each other. We are like one big dysfunctional family. Yeah, they like talk All about the, the public- bad stuff. All the publishers know all the dirt about you know the the shitty freelancers, um, mm-hmm. and so be 
be cool with one another. You know, be respectful. I do it. If you make a mistake, talk to that person. Right. Like if if you screw up, be like, hey man, you made that last project. I apologize. It was thirty days late. I had shit going on, home life, real job, whatever it may be. Can we do this again? And, oh, yeah. and, and you just have that. And if they say no, don't be mad. You fucked up, not them. Right. And then go, okay, cool. Go do your thing. Go do more work. And then come back to them again saying, hey, I've done these things. My shit's straight. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, and, and some people are more forgiving than others. And if that person's mad at you forever, that's fine. You you learned a lesson. Get up and walk. There's almost But don't no... talk shit about them. Right. There's almost no freelancer that I've ever said I would never work with again. There's only one. Um, and he was absolutely impossible to work with on a team. And here we are he talking. He did not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. He just didn't respect his other teammates. And again, arrogance, you know, I posted not too long ago on Facebook. I said something like, uh, if you think that you have to be or that you are the smartest guy in the room, you're not. No, <laughs> no, you're not. You're not. So, so and you learn from it. So, you know, absolutely. We've, we've hit a lot of these. There's no guidebook. Um, we already talked about you leaving oh. your job. Yeah, hold on. So as per guidebook. Oh, okay. Um, Do you have Mongoose, one? Are you making one? I should. That would be a great book. Um, Mongoose Publishing actually wrote something along the lines of, uh, I'm a game designer slash publisher and so am I, or something something mm-hmm. ridiculously titled like this, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and it kind of gave you like the breakdown on how to be a publisher uh, I didn't get a whole lot out of it. Like very broad strokes? Yeah, yeah. But it kind of like lets you know, hey, don't quit your day job. Uh, it's something that you're going to have to work up to. Yeah. It, these are the skills that you should have. You know, it, it was an interesting book. Yeah. But unfortunately, by the time that I found it, I kind of had figured that stuff out. So what's, you know, and you, you're like, we, I was that you definitely... That is a book to get if you're literally tiptoeing into the water to start. Right, so for sure. What, I know what book that is. And um, if again, if anyone's listening, don't just be a publisher. That's just the worst idea. No. Be a freelancer first. Learn the industry. Then build a brand. Then be a publisher. Yeah, and I've always equated it to I grew up in the – I've grown up in the hospitality industry, restaurants mm-hmm. and whatnot. And to be a good manager, you better have washed dishes been a host, a bartender, and done everything. Because yeah. it's the only way you can understand what the right. other people are going through when they come to talk to you. So yeah. when a freelancer comes to you to talk to you about writing, if you don't know how to write or haven't went through the trials and tribulations, how the mm-hmm. fuck are you going to tell them what to do? Exactly. Have you ever been an artist? Yeah, I did layout. Well, you know what? Then you know some stuff, and you can talk to that layout artist and be like, hey, I know it kind of takes this long. How come? Yeah, and unfortunately, so many managers in, in business are just – the opposite. <laughs> you know, yep. I, I couldn't begin to tell you how many poor managers I've had who literally have no clue about what the job entails or what the people have to go through. Yep. So, yeah. Yeah, it, it's it's dumb. And so that, that'll move me on to you guys. You moved. You left your job. Um, yeah. I'm assuming you equated that to making X versus making X. Look, it's almost equal. If I put the extra time in, I can go all exactly. in. Exactly. Exactly. So at the point where I left my job, I was making just slightly less than what I made at my job. So, so you're me, like, if I put these hours in. Right. Right. X equals Y. Y equals Z. Yep. 
you know, and you and, did that. And how long did it take you to transition from being? And I, this is what I really want to get into is how long did it take you from working a nine to five or whatever your hours were behind mm-hmm. a desk doing what other people wanted you to do to setting up? And I believe that all people who own a publishing company, own a company, or work as a freelancer have a routine. Yeah, oh, yeah. How long did it take you to set your fucking routine? Um, as soon as I was doing it full time, that's when I knew I had to have a routine because you have yeah. to have a routine. Before I had a guaranteed paycheck. Well, you're you know, punching I was the like, clock. Right, exactly. You know, I go to work every day, contemplate chewing on a bullet, and uh, <laughs> come home. Come, come, come home, and you know, if I felt like working on TPK, I could. If I didn't want to, well, then I didn't have to. But mm-hmm. granted, I had a, a pretty good work ethic even then. But uh, once once you say, okay, I'm all in. I'm going to absolutely fucking do this thing. Then you know what? If you if you do, you're going to see success. If you don't, the only one to blame is yourself. Yeah. So, what's your day look like? When like when do you wake up and till you go to bed? Like, what's the short version of your day? Okay. So I'm I sure know that- Monday through Friday is different. Yeah. But I, we've joked about this before. But I I wake up very early. And way earlier than me. I'm up between like nine and ten. Yeah. You're up at like six thirty seven. For sure. You know, and I go to bed fairly early, uh generally, I don't know, ten or eleven. Okay. Um but you know, you're up that early, there's nobody bothering you. Yeah. Um and yeah, that's I think when you're either you can... up early or late at night is what I've found from people. Yep. I kick on the old coffee pot, and I love coffee by the way. And while my coffee is taking the time to brew that's when I'm cleaning the kitchen. That's when I'm, you know, taking out the trash, doing all those, like, just general maintenance things around the house to, to make things look better. Oh, coffee's done. Now I can sit down. Now I can enjoy my cup of coffee, check, communicate, maybe take a brief five-minute look at Facebook and close all that shit out. Then I will generally fulfill all my orders, and mm-hmm. after that, I'll kind of prioritize what I need to do for the day and how important is it? So the most important things get done first, um, and then I just kind of work through it. And also, so you do that I, the morning when you wake up. You don't do it the night before. Actually, I have a Google Doc that is my to-do list, mm-hmm. and I know that people on social media have joked about having a to-do list like Brian Bird. And you it, know that you can do check marks, check boxes, yeah, and sure. Okay. A lot of people don't know you can do that. So it's. It's daily, and I, I'm constantly updating it. So, like, if I'm working on something and I think to myself, oh, I should really do blah, 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 boom, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll, I'll switch over to that. I'll write it in and get back to what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, uh, the to-do list is, is kind of always – it's a living document. Well, so yeah, then you transfer I'm, things from day to day. Sure. You know, and if I know that I can't really do it today, it's just not going to work out, then I'll slip it to a different day or whatever. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you can – you prioritize things. So I also try to give myself a few easy tasks right away because mentally, if you can crank out some easy things, you're giving yourself a little bit of an endorphin rush going, oh, yeah, look at me. I'm just kicking ass. Yep, and then you tackle the big stuff. Exactly, exactly. Now, do you find that you're cleaning in the morning? It sounds like you basically are phone-free for like 30 minutes. 
Absolutely. Because uh, I do that too. I'm anywhere between 30 minutes to an hour of no right. electronics. No, because yep. I already know my entire day is going to be doing that. Right. And I'll like walk the dog, make coffee, whatever it is. Yep. Sounds very similar. So, so you do that. Is everybody in bed during this? Um, my, my wife, uh, she was working from like 5am until 1 or 2pm. Mm-hmm. So I, the kids would be just getting up for school. I could say hi, you know, hi, bye and be taking care of stuff. And then like pretty soon they're out the door and that is my, there's absolute silence. You know, there's nobody to distract me. Um, it was just the perfect working conditions. So you go into your day then and start going through your tasks. Mm-hmm. Do you listen to music or podcasts or anything while you're working? Oh, my God, yes. Of course. Both? One or the Both. other? Both. Can, can you write and have words in it, or does it have to be, like, ambient music? Nope. I'll do uh, I'll do either or. Like, And it really depends. Like, my musical tastes range broadly. Yeah. But um, I want something to inspire me. I want something that will give me energy. So, uh, you know, I'm going to listen to rock, my cheesy 80s metal or some industrial or something, something to give me, you know, the, the gusto, right? right? But at the same time, you'll get bored if that's all you do. You'll, you'll get burned out. Yeah. So I would often listen to podcasts or YouTube videos or something that I could do as background noise, but also either gave me new skills or allowed me to think about things that I might not have considered. It's like giving um, yourself classes. You're absolutely right. And yeah, you know what? I do every day. I mean, if, if you're just doing something mindless in gaming, you know, you're, you're working on brainstorming this, that, or the other thing, it's okay to have something like that in the background. Yeah. Um, if I'm driving, I try to have something on that will help me create a new skill. Yeah, so I'm with you. You know, if you're going to drive to a convention, which I do all the time, and I've got a three-hour drive. nowhere. <laughs> right. Um, if I have a three-hour drive, why should I not be listening to Brandon Sanderson talk about how to build a novel or a story or mm-hmm. something, right? You know? Something I'm interested in. Um, how even just simple podcasts like how to be a good, better game master or how to build more intriguing NPCs, shit like that. That's the whole relates to what skills. you're doing. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, I, and I, I agree. I do that a lot too. I do. You find yourself um, picking themes based on what you're designing. Oh sure, of course. So if I'm doing horror, I make it fit that. If it's yeah, you uh, want to be inspired. Yeah, I need to. I need to encase myself in what I'm doing. Right. Like, it and needs you know to what? Feel that way. Halfway through my day, um, uh, I, so about seven, I think I officially start my publishing work. And okay. halfway through, it's now eleven o'clock. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, granted, I live in a small town. So I have to go to the post office. Yeah, we, we, I joked about that. Okay, right? So because my town apparently is so small, they couldn't possibly deliver mail to me, I have to go to them. However, this is a good opportunity to take a break. Mm-hmm. To, I don't know, if I, if I don't have a whole lot, shit, I'll throw shit in my backpack. I'll ride my bike there. It's a little breath of fresh air, a little bit of exercise, and that – halfway point in my day allows me to just kind of decompress refresh maybe think about some shit in the back of my head as as i take care of business so you know i technically i'm still working but i'm not you see like my brain 
suddenly thinks, oh, I'm getting a, a breather, you know. Mm-hmm. And then you come home, um, go back to tackling something easy, maybe knock it out of the park, go after your big, big fish after that, you know. Yeah. And so then, what's after that? Well, then, you know, by then uh, the, the wife is coming home and now the kids are coming home. I still have a few hours of uh, maybe working on things lightheartedly. You know, I, I'm notoriously bad at paying attention to her conversation while I'm working. Yeah. <laughs> so well, it's hard I, when you're you're because yeah. even our focus in this, I feel, is multi-focused. So you may be writing something, but you're thinking about three other things. Do you? Uh, so do you end up stop? Like, do you do this stuff half-heartedly? Is that kind of like your social media time? Oh yeah, for so sure. Is that kind of like your you, fun wind down for you? Yeah, because you can. You know, you'll mm-hmm. see most of my posts happen after 2 p.m., mm-hmm. um, but that's also because that's when most people are no longer at work. Do you right? schedule so, your post, or is it you posting them at that time? Oh, no. I I, I do both. Okay. Um, I've used Hootsuite, but Facebook also has the ability to publish scheduled sure. posts. Yep. Um, some posts, like if it's just purely advertisement, I'll schedule. Yeah, like However, the dice ones you've been posting, stuff like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If if it's something that's personal, if it's really something that you would hear from my mouth, that happened right when I posted it yeah. because I want that to be genuine. Yep. Yeah, and, and genuine is a stamp of approval online. It, it can be tasted. For sure. You know, digitally tasted, yeah. So right? so you do that, and then do you stop working entirely and do family time after that? Um, it depends. You know, I I know how much work I have to do. And I know what I have coming. I know what's on my plate. Um, so you know what? If I just knocked everything out of the park and I'm like right on with my schedule, or mm-hmm. I'm ahead, you know what? Sure, let's let's play some Elder Scrolls. Let's uh, let's have a little fun. Let's go out tonight. Let's do something. Let's watch some TV. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, I earned it. And However, what, what about what time does that stuff start for you? Because oh you go to bed at eleven. Is that like yeah. six o'clock, seven o'clock? That might be three, four, five o'clock, and then, of course, I like to cook too. So, me too. <laughs> you know, five to six is usually spent cooking and cleaning up after myself. But then, you know, six onward, I'm pretty much done. That's pretty much my evening time, and I'm spending it with family and or friends, enjoying a little bit of of stuff. But again, if I'm behind, yeah, I'm probably working while you're watching TV or something. You know. Yeah. Do you, you still do social media during those time frames a lot? Only if if, if I something feel it's comes necessary. up, like there's a lot yeah. of posts, you get some heat on something. Because social social media is a mixed bag. Mm-hmm. On one hand, you have to have it if you have a product and you want to reach an audience. Mm-hmm. However, social media is a, such a trap. Like, how many times have you caught yourself? on Facebook, having no clue how you got there, and you're scrolling mindlessly. Yeah, yeah. I um, like, I n- only now, my rule is this. I only look at posts that I'm tagged in mm-hmm. um, or my own posts. Right. And then the only time I look through, like scroll through things, is in the yeah. morning. So if I scroll through something in the morning, I will scroll through, look at it, and I only let myself play on it for like five, ten minutes. Right. And I walk the fuck away. You have to. Because if you have shit to do. But if it's for recreation, great. No, still don't. Because it's a bad (laughs) habit and I don't want to form it. It is a bad habit. Um, I get worse on – I'm worse on Instagram because I use it for reference a lot. 
Yeah. Now, the, I guess the only time I'm actually on social media looking around is when I'm specifically doing research on how social media is currently working in its state. Right. And I do do a lot of that deep dive. Like I'll, I will put it in my 10 points of things to do. I will block out an hour of studying social media. Mm -hmm. So I, and I, I recommend that. So you do this stuff. Do you go electronic free before you go to bed? Mm, usually for a while. I mean, but again, it, it's, it all depends, you know, like, if are I you a reader to... before you go to bed? I wish that I was more of a reader. I love reading, and I have tons of books. Uh, I have found that I do less reading now than ever, and that is a mistake. Uh, I think, honestly, if you read half an hour or an hour before you go to bed every night, it would change the way your brain rhythms are working, yeah. and it would be a much more like positive moment before you go to bed. Even and if I you're reading that, a gaming book. Yeah, yeah, like for sure. Especially Read the shit that's not mechanical Total Party in the books. Kill Games one. That would be great. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Read the fluff, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's it. If you're a good editor, redline yeah. that and send it to me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and I've been trying to do that, too. Like, I I try to do an hour before I go to bed not to look at anything. And it, it gets harder. It's really hard when everyone's phones have become their oh, sure. clocks. For sure. Um, but I, the biggest thing I've been doing lately is I knew my sleep was fucked up. When I was mm -hmm. doing shit for a long time, being in the service industry, so I had to fix it. So I have been using um, Sleep Cycle to look at my sleep, check how much, like if I'm snoring, having problems, and it lets you check boxes before you go to bed. Like mm -hmm. I had tea, I had coffee, I worked out today, I did this, you can add your own, and you can mm -hmm. track your sleep cycle. And how it affects you. And how it affects me. And I've learned, I put one in there reading before I go to bed. When I read before I go to bed, I usually have like 5 to 6% better sleep. Hmm. because your brain winds down. Right. And my problem is when I'm working on five projects at once, and they're very different projects because they're not just mm -hmm. mine, they're other people's, my brain doesn't shut off. So I will go through a quick reference of what is at my bedside, and I mean books. Um, <laughs> I have a numerous number of game books, okay? So mm -hmm. there's uh, probably a, a one to one and a half feet tall stack of currently referenced game books. Uh, because I'm not role playing in bed, not that kind of role playing anyway. Yeah, so uh, the other stuff though, you're married, right, 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 recently. Right. Um, beyond that, I've got a bunch of mythology books. Okay. I have a few Thieves World books, which are some titles that I always come back to because I really, really enjoy. Mm -hmm. um, and so, if you're someone like me who lives and breathes the business, uh, even reading could actually be work. It, it could be research. Yeah. Uh, if, if you're a freelance writer and you want to be working on something, read about it before you go to bed. Yep. Or better yet, hit up a documentary on YouTube or um, anywhere. Net, Netflix, Amazon, you know. VMO's got tons of stuff right now. Yeah. yeah. So there you go. You know, you can relax but still be learning and mm -hmm. still be, like, getting good ideas for tomorrow. Yeah. Live, breathe, eat, sleep. What you're doing. You yeah. have to love it. You have to, have to, have to love it. And if you I don't agree. love it and you're doing it, then you might as well have stayed at your 9 to 5. Right. Now, that's so true because let's face it, um, the gaming industry, PDF publishing is never going to get you rich. No. You can never. be comfortable and enjoy your life. Right. But just remember, it will be your life. And yeah. there is a guy – and I, I – Man, this is, I'm not going to remember his name, but the idea that people believe that 
work-life balance is important and that you need more family balance and less work. Yeah. He believes, like, why can't it be the opposite? Why can't everyone around me be involved in what I love, which is my business? Sure. And why can't everybody that I enjoy being around be involved in that business? Why should I grab people who are not part of that climate and put it in Mm -hmm. that climate? If I like snow, why do I want sun? If I like sun, why do I want snow? And this guy talks about it so much so, and I can't remember the company he owns. He went and bought a trailer park area. This guy's rich, like multi-million dollar rich. Bought trailer park area, bought a trailer, and then anyone who comes and works for him, he gives them a trailer. That's awesome. And he's like, come work and live with me. Do it for a year, two years. Come, let's be a community and do what we're doing and really get along and and, and have a great work balance. And he didn't say work life, work balance, because he believes yeah. you can have both together. And it's true. Like, mm-hmm. this industry, conventions, is just a big family. Oh, yeah. There's no doubt about that. And, and I think that would take me into the tips, like... I don't know about you, but if you're a freelancer and you want to get into this industry, my answer to you is while you can go online and troll and talk to people, shaking hands, meeting people, and sharing a beer or a meal or whatever it is you do at a convention is tenfold of you just sending them an email. Because what you're saying is you're creating a relationship. Yeah, you are. Yes. Um, and that's forever. you know. And, and as a business person – you are you're trying to get a consumer to buy something from you, right? But that's that's the wrong mindset. You should be creating like relationships with your mm-hmm. your customers because then they'll be consuming products from you for life. Well, and and they're consuming it for life not because not because they just love your products, but because they love the person and the people behind it. For sure. And um, that's the, the biggest thing in the world. You will look past blemishes because of that. Right. There's no doubt that part of Total Party Kill Games is selling Brian Burke. Yeah. Oh, I believe that that a person, when they go out, while you can have a, a nickname for what you're doing, you should mm-hmm. – all of your shit should be your name. Oh, yeah. And, and I think that's because name-to-face is easier than company name-to-face. Mm-hmm. Especially if you're a freelancer, like I renamed everything as Eric Frank House. Like I just did it because it makes sense. And you do the same thing. It's the Brian Berg show. Like it's about Brian Berg, what he brings to you guys, and that he gives a shit. So speaking of which, look at Malhavek Press. What's what's their bandwidth versus Monty Cook himself? <laughs> right? Yes. Yeah. I mean, that's true. Rob Schwab did the same thing. Yeah, and deservedly. These guys, they they paid their dues. They they learned. They they're like giants in the industry. That some of them were so good. They said, you know what, Wizards of the Coast, eh, go fuck yourself. So, I have yeah, I have better yeah. ideas. And so, uh, <laughs> what would you what would you tell a freelancer? Three things that they should do that they're not doing may not be doing today. Well, it really depends what their goals are. If you want to be a successful freelancer, you want to have your name on books. Number one, write. Okay. Do it. Write every single day. Same for art. Write a Same little bit. That shit. Absolutely. You know what? It doesn't have to be good. Just practice will make you good. It will make you better, and you will continually you know, improve. Mm-hmm. Um, what about publishing? If you want to be a publisher, you've been doing this for a while and want to strike out, do it. Right. Absolutely. So yeah. what would you do? What would you tell a publisher to do? So 
it's not very difficult to become a publisher. I think it's difficult to become a publisher that gets noticed. Okay. And so, again, you you should spend time on making yourself the absolute best you can uh, because the money isn't going to just roll in no. unless your product is outstanding. Yep. So you have to make your your initial products the very best ones uh, because people will forever judge you on your early stuff. I was very, very lucky. People were very forgiving. They said, oh, I, I actually love your content even though it might happen to be crappy. <laughs> but know? is they it luck though? Or is it because you were a good person, they're willing to go, you know what? He's getting better. Right. His shit's amazing. He runs a great game. He's here selling his stuff to us because he cares. He's not overpricing his stuff. Is it luck? Oh. No, you're right. I mean, it's not luck. I, I guess. That's like I saying a basketball player was lucky. You sure it wasn't look, him playing feel, basketball since I he was feel, a child? Yeah, right. For sure. I just feel fortunate that people gave me that second chance. Fortunate's a better word. I agree with that. Yeah. yeah. I know. Um, so, so that's a publisher. Is there, What's the third thing you would tell a freelancer or someone getting into this industry to do that they may not know? Or maybe uh, they just need to hear it. Well, you absolutely don't know everything. And you, <laughs> you must seek out uh, – take partners. Like learn from the people who are better or have skills that you want. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and God – we have the internet now, you know? Why are you not using this? Why are you not learning some new skill every single day? Because yep. if you don't, you're going to stagnate. And mm -hmm. someone else is going to be better than you and get that, that next gig that you wanted. Yeah. The, the, so I believe in the rabbit hole theory. Um, so Bing, I mean, the search engine that nobody uses, used to give you, <laughs> and still does, I think, gives you rewards Bing. for every day clicking through their stuff. And my buddy Todd Westcott is like, yeah. yeah, man, I do it all the time. He'd get free points for whatever it be. He's like, but what I do is I'll, I'll search a movie, I'll click it, and then they'll have related fields. He's like, and I just dig down through there. Mm -hmm. It's the same way with this. If you're a writer, look up writing. For yes. writing, look up your favorite writer. Right. Listen to all the things about them the entire week. Then put them away because you don't want to just learn from one source. Oh, no. And then after that, look up why the period was made. And read sure. about it. Figure yeah. out why. You know, do that thing. Why is there have two different spellings? Learn about it. You may think you know, but you probably fucking don't. Right. So those little things that make you better, and, and I'm going to say this because I don't think a lot of people do it, fucking write notes down. Oh, God, yes. Like, I have books of me listening. Like, right now I've been listening to the Future Podcast a lot, and I literally just take notes and put times down and yeah. save the videos to watch later. For sure. And I think that's pertinent from people. Now, I know that you and some other folks uh, like to carry moleskins. Oh, yeah. And, and I think it's cool as shit, but I'm not artistic. Uh, and so. So what? You can me, write words. Yeah, for sure. My moleskin is my phone. Yeah, that's Google. perfect. I have Google Docs on my phone, and I have access to everything I do mm -hmm. right there at my fingertips. So, you know, um, obviously not while you're, you're driving, but uh, – No, you know, but you I can... use a lot of audio notes nowadays. Yeah. A lot of people right? don't do that, but reporters did it for years and investigators right. did it for years. And there's a reason because you can just start talking and it records and you forget about the recorder yep. after a while and you exactly. can do it while you're driving. 
Yes. If you're not doing audio notes, Brian, I definitely recommend recording yourself. Um, if I'm brainstorming a project, I will. But yeah, but yeah I agree. Um, Google Docs is one of the best things that have ever happened. Oh, my God, yes. I know you and I have used the shit out of Google Docs. Yep. Like, if they had a paid subscription, I'd absolutely be like, yes, I'll pay for more options. <laughs> right, I know. Like, like right I'm now, can you... Can you please make this work better than it does today? I'm still astounded that they don't have more features, but I think that they're trying the minimalist approach to make it more... Do you know it's still in beta? What? Yeah, man. Google huh, Docs is that's still interesting. Beta. Yeah. There's, add, there's add-ons, but yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, they're, they're not good. great either. They're okay. No. I want more templates, and I want, to be able to, I want the ability to save my own templates, and I want those templates to be specific to folders. I mean, to put it into perspective, they only just came out with the ability to make two columns. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's not a layout program. Yeah. Although um, I do my roughs that way. Okay, the only other thing that I, I think that we were kind of talking about that I didn't get to is that, uh, you know, if no matter what aspect you're in, always challenge yourself to do better the next time. Yeah. And and so – We learned that as kids. Well, hopefully we learned it. Well, but, our generation uh, did. Yes. We got gold stars only when we did things right, not gold stars from showing up. Right. I know exactly. that sounds shitty. I know people get mad. Yeah, but... but it's true. It is. Um, and so I'm continually pushing myself for the level of quality in our books. Yeah. And sometimes I get held back because of a lack of knowledge in a certain area. And then I teach myself that area. Mm -hmm. So – in the very, very near future, people will see something from me that looks completely different than anything Total Party Kill Games has ever done. And I suspect that you know what I'm talking about. Oh, you're leveling up a little bit. Uh, yes. And so I'm, Does this have to do I'm, with not being called third party publisher because you hate that term? That is exactly right. Yeah. So we will be a – well, yes, I will be a compatible publisher that produces a – book on the same level as the game system itself okay so your your goal is to up the value the oh quality of. absolutely yeah. you know and what's part of it is that i want to give back you know mm -hmm. i as a publisher i wish that i had the ability to dump tons of money into art and and such but i mm -hmm. up until recently i haven't had that level of funds um, and so I'm really going to push the envelope with some future work. Well, and I, I believe this, and this is something I've learned a lot recently through my studies, is the difference between an amateur and the professional is the process in which a professional has. Mm -hmm. So the way that an amateur would go about doing stuff versus Brian at TPK Games laying out and designing and developing a new piece of material is different. Right. Because you have a process that has been tested, retested, and changed every time right. something comes out. And that that concept of doing that shit is what makes you professional and not an amateur. And that part of what you're talking about, I get the people don't like the name third-party publisher. And I'm going to say this in argument with you. I think you earn the title publisher just like you earn a black belt. You are a third-party publisher until your content and what you are putting out is at publisher level. I would agree. So actually. you're basically mm -hmm. saying I'm no longer – you've made the decision. I am no longer a third-party publisher. Right. I'm going to make publishing 
published quality stuff that you see now and what those double and triple A's are doing. Right. So that's my belief on third-party publishing. Everyone's a third-party publisher. You have to start at white belt before right. you get your black belt. Absolutely. Bringing it full circle back to the martial arts conversation. <laughs> so we're going to get – we got serious. This was this was a really good deep dive. It was. Uh, this was really good. So two two big things. Where well, can they on. find you? Oh, you got something else? Well, I'm just saying, like, there hasn't been, like, one dick joke this entire time. I'm a little disappointed. We're going to get yeah. to it. We're going to get oh. to one. We're going to get is, to is, one. Are you saying it's deeper? It's deeper. Okay, go on, carry on. The deeper and harder show. Um, so where can people find you on social media? Uh, everywhere, because I'm a social media whore. Is it, uh, no, is really. it all under Brian Berg, TPK Games? No, no. You could go Total Party Kill Games on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Uh, you could find me on Facebook. Um, mm-hmm. I seem to have just as many people following me personally as I do on Total Party Kill Games. So look up Brian Berg. Okay. Uh, let's see. I'm on Twitter, although I don't tweet as much as I twat to. Is, is that more for one-on-one conversations with people? Because that's it's how not. I treat it. Oh, okay. I do a bad job on Twitter. Um, Something to think about being better at. You're right. I, like I said, there's always room to improve. We could talk about that at GameholeCon. Right. Um, I've recently had a lot of fun with Instagram because it's, it's so fun. I like photography mm-hmm. and I like art. And so I'm trying to use that as a medium where I combine the two with gaming. So you'll eventually be seeing more of, like, my game sessions, my products, me just out in the wild being And your lady loves photography. Oh, yes. So tell her she can help you take photography pictures. For sure. (laughs) (laughs) Let's see. uh, Google Plus. uh, G Plus is a very strong gaming community. It it is. It's stronger than Facebook. Yeah, because it's designed well. Yeah, even <laughs> though know? it's not as popular, but I yeah. uh, I really do love it. This is a conversation that I've had with the gaming and BS guys and and the asset team for Monty Cook Games. Like, we love G+. The, the, the thing with Google Plus is that it is a phenomenal resource for anything other than being social. <laughs> no, it is made it, for business. It, it's, it's really good... Um, for all those things we talked about, the only thing Facebook has on it is just sheer numbers, mm-hmm. and it's like and advertising. The, hey, look, it's me and my f- mom and dad and cats and. It has advertising. G plus doesn't have that. Yeah, where Google Plus is, I think it's more ground level. You know, mm-hmm. it's like here's my interests. It's and the dirt. Yeah. So I don't know. They could do better, but so could Facebook. So, so no doubt. So that's that's where they can find you on that stuff. Um, obviously, what is your website? Uh, TotalPartyKill.games. And they should be following you on Kickstarter as well. Because oh, you guys nice. do a couple things a year. Yep. So that, that's um, pretty cool. So with all that said, last question. And this can be anything you want. Short answer, long answer, whatever. One, you can get one campaign setting published. And in your hands, what would the title be? It could be anything. It could be an IP that exists. It could be a concept that you want. It could be how to woodwork the campaign setting. It could be, you know, skinning deer. Like, what would it be for you? Oh, so. And don't I mean, say your own, damn it. Damn it. I thought you were handing me that one on a pedestal. No, we can, um, we can, we can talk about that. But what would, so what would you have it be? Where in the world is Carmen San Diego? No, no. Uh, why is there no 5e D&D um, Dark Sun? 
because it's been done for 4E and wasn't as popular as they wanted. It was never a popular like, setting. Oh, but it, it was, was one of the most one of the, one of the most iconic settings of all time. That and Planescapes. So those are the two that need to be done for sure. Well, Second Edition had such a plethora of plain, of uh, campaign settings. Mm-hmm. They kind of eventually they kind of all mixed and mired, and people were like, "Oh, another setting that I'm not going to play." And I'm so you'd love to myself. see Dark Sun for Five E. I would, but you know what? If I'm going to choose one, oh, God, I I would like to see a really well done Thieves World campaign. Thieves World, okay. Um, I'm going to tell you to go pick up Blades in the Dark. Hmm. That'll be that'll be my tidbit for you. So it's an indie game, right? It is, but the polish level on it makes it not third party. Okay. Um, I will bring the hard copy to Gamehole Con so you can actually touch it. Oh, yeah. It's it's got like this cross between like like felt shadow and gloss. Hmm. It's fucking weird. So with that said, yeah, I'm moving one of the questions to the bottom. What can people be looking forward to from TPK Games? Well, let's see. Total Party Kill Games. One of the beauties of being a third party publisher is the ability to do what you want to do what you are passionate about. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know what? Yeah, you can write the, uh, the, to the lowest common denominator and try and make a ton of money. But ultimately if you're not writing what you're passionate about, well, what are you doing? Right? So you'll see numerous products out from us this year. Um, the, the first one that I'm most excited about, well, I'm, I'm very excited about is, the Into the Void Starfinder adventure. Oh, I didn't know uh, you were doing a Starfinder adventure. Yeah, I've been quiet about it. Um, one of the coolest things is, like, again, I have to write to my brand, okay? And that's mm-hmm. dark dark fantasy. This will have nothing to do with Galarian. It'll have nothing to do with, you know, the existing content for Starfinder. It will be a plug-and-play, but it will be aliens-level creepy scary. Nice. And it's, I intend to do it as an adventure where you are stranded and let's, let's face it, a spaceship is nothing more than a dungeon in space. It's a flying coffin. Right? And so <laughs> my, my kind of goal with this adventure has been to allow the players to wake up and experience who they are as they uncover and unravel the plot of this adventure. So they're actually building their characters as they go along during gameplay. That's awesome. And, and learning the game system as they move along as well. So you can even be a novice GM to Starfinder, start this adventure, and learn as you go. And it's, it's going to be really slick. I feel like um, we briefly touched on that conversation before. We may have. I, I don't know we, if we did or not. Because we did a breakdown. That's cool. That I didn't know you were actually doing that. And that's coming out when again? Um, as soon as I get all the maps and art. <laughs> well, you let I've, me know. I've, I've actually got the maps coming in. But, oh, dude, nice. Um, yeah. Um, the next thing that I'm really exciting, really, really excited about is this campaign setting that I'm working on. Yeah. And I've only teased out tidbits here and there. Maybe a few people following me on social media might really be noticing. Caught wind of the new orc art that is godlike. Right. 
So I've been very uh, particular about this campaign setting because I wanted to do it right. Yeah. I, I, I had this very dark, brutal, Bronze Age f- fantasy setting, right? Almost and, Babylonian. Oh, yeah. And, and I wanted it to be done, you know, properly. So mm-hmm. Ekaterina Burmack, she did the Mummy's Mask AP. Mm-hmm. She is my artist, and nice. she's doing all the iconic, you know, characters and races. Um, and on top of that, the setting itself is not a kitchen sink. It is not Galarian. It is not the Forgotten Realms. Nope. It, it has a real story, and it is a punch in the gut. Um, humanity has done horrible things. We are continuing to pay for the mistakes that have been made in the past. And so as you're reading this, this you know, campaign setting, you're going to empathize with the races and the characters within and go, oh, my God, that is so horrible. I can't wait to play one because the role-playing opportunities are so grand and so great in a tragic setting like this. Yeah, yeah, I agree wholeheartedly. As a GM and as a designer, yes. Mm-hmm. And I've seen – I've got to see bits and pieces and had to keep my mouth shut. Um, <laughs> I'm excited for it, and I get to play test in it, which has been crazy. Um, and you're putting this out for two systems. Uh, four systems. Oh, shit. It's been upped. So this is going to be a 5th edition D&D, Pathfinder, Savage Worlds, and Shadow of the Demon Lord. Oh, I cannot wait for Shadows of the Demon Lord. Yep. So I, I ran it by Schwab, and he he gave me the high five. Uh, and a hug. Yeah. So it's uh, – <laughs> You know, and you know what? What's really funny is this is this is rather personal, but um, at the point in time where I was, you like, guys had dicks touch, and not that personal. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> you wanted dick jokes. So. I, I like that you worked that in. You're welcome. Yes. You're welcome. Uh, I actually, uh, when I was getting divorced, this is around the early times of pre TPK. Um, you know, 2009, I think somewhere mm-hmm. around there, and. I was in a pretty dark time in my life. And so a lot of these really dark, awful ideas, um, and not like, you know, killing babies or anything like that. I mean, like, what does it mean? What is loss? What is conflict? Yep. What are what are these really dark themes that humans struggle with? Uh, and what do they mean? And how do you how do you bring something like that across in a role playing game mm-hmm. and make it so that you didn't just go beat up the wizard in the tower. No, you felt something when you played the game. You have something to talk about for decades with your friends. Remember that time that we played in uh, Berg's Empires of Ash setting and we did this thing and we held on to that stuff for the rest of our lives and it was horrible and awful? <laughs> Ryan Berg told his card is for life. <laughs> right? You know, um, I I want your choices to matter, and I want the game to reflect, you know, the, the, the horribleness that is humanity. Yeah, I mean, it's our times are trying right now. <laughs> they are. You know, and I've done some interesting things. I've taken, like, kind of all the worst traits of humanity and put them into um, a, a setting. So... I don't know. It, it's 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 easy to find villains 
But at the same time, the heroes sometimes are just as bad, and the villains are even redeemable or have reasons and motives uh, that that make them do what they do. So you might point your finger as a paladin and say, oh, those guys are evil. We must slay them. There's reasons why they did what they did. There's yeah. reasons why you label them as evil. Instead of them just being another monster yes. in the game. Exactly. So all of this sounds like you paying a little bit back to that. You want a Dark Sun to be there. Well, There's a lot of that loss and bad shit in Dark Sun, but you've ramped this up to the TPK gritty grime dark fantasy level. Dark Sun is more about survival in a harsh world. Mm-hmm. This this is a harsh world because humanity, and I, I don't mean just humans. So it's not the environment. Right. It's the mortality right. and the people. Yes. Okay, I, yeah, I, I get you. So you didn't tell anybody what it's called. It's called Empires of Ash. That and is, that alone. Sounds like war. Yes. <laughs> well, that, I got to say, this was awesome being able to talk to you this was a nice deep dive these are the things i want to do more for the community and industry and just everyone has a different point of view and the more people we talk to and the more people come on the show the better idea we can get of what it's like behind the pen and pencil and computer screen um, and what it means to develop the things that everybody who listen play because it's a different mentality and it's a different thing um, I, I definitely tell people if you go to conventions and you have a chance to hear roundtable discussions, come in with questions asked, uh, questions ready because people like Brian and other ones we have the show, Jay Sonia and Christian from uh, Lost Sphere and even people from like you know Paizo, Eric Mona, people on those lines have questions for them because they will answer if you have questions. Yep. And if you're humble enough, you'll even say, "I don't know. Let me get back to you." So I've had to do that in a roundtable discussion where I said, I don't know, give me your email address and I will get you an answer because I don't have one. Somebody else in this con does, but I don't. So you'll be a game hole con with me, right? Oh, yeah. For you'll sure. have a table. Yes. We're going to throw some some people into a pit, maybe. We are. We're not going to talk too much. I think you can social media that one up. Um, but I just want to say thanks for being on the show. You know, Eric Frankhouse Presents is about bringing good people on and – We've been working together for a few years now. What are we on, four years yeah. now we've known each other? Yeah, I think so. Four or yeah. five? That um, sounds about right. And it's been awesome doing these things over the years and kind of seeing how everything's changed and grown. Mm-hmm. But that's it for me. Um, everybody, like Brian was saying, strive to be better. Try a new skill every day. Learn something every day. And in between those hours of work, if you're freelancing, go roll some fucking dice. Absolutely. Have some fun. What else is it worth? Yeah, and maybe have a beer, because that's what I'm going to go do. Well, yeah. All right, everybody. Thanks for being on the show, um, and I will talk to you after we go offline here. Go roll some dice, people. All right, everybody. I hope you enjoyed this interview with Brian Berg from TPK Games. It's kind of deep dive into how you handle being a third-party publisher and how to get in the freelancing world. If you're a tabletop gamer, check out TPK Games. They make some of the best third-party publishing stuff I've seen for 5th edition, for Pathfinder, and they're, I would say, my favorite two things, and they're probably Laying Waste and the new Feats book for 5e. If you haven't found them, you just do a little Google search and you'll be able to dig them up. With that said, I hope you guys enjoyed. If you've got questions about anything that happened on these two-parter, please call in the lower left-hand corner and don't forget to follow. This will be posted up on my Patreon and on my SoundCloud in full, uh, a full part instead of one and two. And you can probably find that within the next two days. I'll make sure to mention it on Anchor. Stay tuned. More will be coming tomorrow. Have a great day, guys, and go roll some dice.